0: For joining us, you are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. All right, today we're starting a new series uh, called "When Pigs Fly," and uh, it's based on that that old saying. You know, I believe that when pigs fly, uh, that you know people don't really believe stuff. But man, if, when a pig flies, then they'll believe it. Uh, this is this series is based on the miracles. Of Jesus, We're going to be looking at uh, six different miracles of Jesus and how, how they should impact our faith, how they should impact our life, how they should actually help us see uh, some things that maybe we wouldn't see prior to this series. That's kind of my prayer, is that through these next several weeks, through the looking at the miracles of Jesus, that you will have an increase of faith. Um, that you will believe in maybe God to do something impossible that maybe you thought he never could do and believe him to do the impossible. I'll start off today by this. I'll start off by a showing of hands. How many of you out here believe, as people have asked me, do I believe? I'm going to ask you, how many of you believe that God still does miracles? Raise your hands up high in the air. All right, I'm in good company here today. Very good. I would definitely agree with you. I absolutely believe 100% that God still does miracles. But if I ask the question a different way, you might not be as positive. And that is, if God does miracles, then why doesn't God do miracles all the time? Uh, i sure you can understand as a pastor, that's one of the greatest questions that is ever brought to me. Why is it that I can pray for something as a pastor, something very small, and I feel insignificant and kind of like, you know, pray for a hamster to get better. You know, my kid's like, oh, my hamster's sick. Pray And I pray and the darn thing still lives. Our dog lives so long. For prayers, you know, from our kids praying over the dog. And and uh, and I was like, you know, how is it that God does that? But I've gone to people's uh, bedsides when they've been in the hospital and I believed and I believed and I believed a miracle is going to happen. And instead of a miracle happened, they were taken from this life and gone to the next. I don't quite understand where God does miracles or necessarily what the formula is for God doing miracles. But what I have learned is that I know my faith in spite of whether or not he does miracles. My faith through every single opportunity, my faith is made stronger. Uh, it's kind of like the story of uh, Jesus goes into a restaurant in the south and he's going through the restaurant. And he sees a elderly old lady and she's hunched over coming in and he goes over and he says, be healed. And she gets off and throws down her her walker and she runs out. says, I'm healed. I'm healed. And so cool. A little girl was over in the corner and she was very, very sick and she was sniffling and sneezing. And he walked over to be healed. And she jumps up, starts skipping around the restaurant. Yeah,
1: I'm healed. I'm healed.
0: Woo-hoo. He walks over to another man who was sitting there. My little busy he said, and the man said, don't touch me, Jesus. I'm collecting disability checks right now. <laughs> it's an old one, but a good one. I like that one. Why does God do miracles sometimes and sometimes he doesn't? Why is it that even in Jesus' time, you know, the Bible speaks of, a, of so many different miracles that, that Jesus performed. You read the Gospels and you see these amazing feats that Jesus did, um, casting out demons. Uh, you see him uh, do uh, bring dead back to life. You see him heal blind eyes. And, and help and make crippled people get up their beds that they came in on and walk away carrying them. You see throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, all these amazing miracles that Jesus did. And, and you go, wow, where is that Jesus when I need Him now? Where can I find that Jesus? Cause right now with what I'm going through, I need a miracle In my life, I need a miracle for me, I need a miracle for my family, or I need a miracle for my my extended family. I need a miracle because right now I'm drowning in despair because of what I'm facing. It could be the phone call that comes in when you least expect it, and the doctor says you only have a few months to live. It could be, uh, it could be the report that you get at your job and they're, sh- they're, they're getting rid of jobs and they're cutting back and they're downsizing. It could be, uh, that maybe your family that was going so great gets rocked with a devastating thing, devastating news that comes in and all of a sudden this, this very picturesque Facebook perfect family is crumbling and falling apart. I don't know what it is for you today, but I know this. I don't know when God steps in and does miracles, but I know that my God can do a miracle anytime. My God can do the impossible. He can move through impossible circumstances and do impossible things. And so what I want to do is over the next several weeks, I want us to look at our God doing the impossible. I want our faith to be strengthened. I want those places where we doubt him to be levelized to where they're not increased out. It's levelized. Maybe not going down, but just kind of, okay, well maybe I'll give them, I just keep believing because here is what it takes. It takes all of us to have faith in the one to do the impossible for the impossible to come to pass. So I want you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter four, verse 35. We're going to turn there. We're going to read that. The story that we're telling today, the story of the miracle we're talking about today is one of my favorite stories. Um, I love the, I love the story itself, but I love the symbolism and I love how, uh, what, what truths God can pull out of the story. So would you do me a favor, would you stand to your feet today as we read a few verses of God's word and kind of hear a little bit about this first miracle we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus when he calmed those storms, when he calmed the storms that the disciples were on the boat with. Okay, here we go. That day when evening came he, this is Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. So picture this, the disciples are done working for the day. And he says, Hey, let's go to the other side. Let's get in the boat and go to the other side. So they left the crowd behind. They took along them, uh, at, just as they were, they didn't take anything with them into the boat. And, uh, They were also other boats with them. So there are many boats on the water at this time. So keep on reading here. Verse thirty eight, verse thirty seven. It says a furious squall. Now this is not a little Indian girl. This is a this is a a storm comes up, okay? A furious storm comes up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly what? It was nearly drowned, it nearly capsized, it nearly turned over. And then verse thirty eight says this Jesus was in the stern. What was he doing? He just, he's just taking it easy. He's been wore out. He just preached. It's kind of what happens to me every Sunday afternoon after we get done. I get zonked out. I put on headphones, and they can make all the noise in the world. Actually, that's pretty much all the time my kids say. Give me five minutes. I'll be out. Okay. Uh, the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? Don't you even care that we're going to lose our life? Here you are sleeping. In the stern, or the, the beneath the boat, let's pray. Father, help us today to hear, uh, hear your word, to know that, God, you are going to transform us. You're going to change us, and you're going to make us completely new. So, God, speak deeply in our hearts, I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So, today, as, as I kind of start this message... I want to talk about the some some give you some a little bit of facts about this area that Jesus and the disciples are currently in. Uh, they are in this area which is called the Sea of Galilee. They're, they're they're actually boating on the Sea of Galilee. It's where they did their fishing, and uh, the Sea of Galilee. Here's one picture of the Sea of Galilee. If you can see it just a little bit, you got Sea of Galilee at the top. You got the Jordan River that runs in between where Jesus got baptized and you have the Dead Sea at the bottom. And just a side note, this has nothing to do with uh, the message today, but uh, the Sea of Galilee is one of the most uh, f- flourishing, uh, full of, of lots of living creatures. And that water, body of water flows out down through the Jordan River into the Dead Sea and the Dead Sea nothing lives just interesting. That's a whole other message for another time. I won't get into it today, but just shows you the power that you can either be a living water or you can be dead, which one you want to be, uh, all from the same source. But I won't get into that today. But here is a real picture from Michelle and I had an opportunity to go to Israel uh, about three years ago, and this is an actual picture on the shore, and that is one of the boats that is the identical boat that would have been what Jesus would have been fishing on in that day and time, uh, they have replicas of this boat. They actually found they're not very big. Um, and so that is actually the Sea of Galilee. Now notice how calm. This is early in the morning. Notice how calm the sea is. And notice the mountain ranges all around that area. It is very common to be in the Sea of Galilee and all of a sudden, within a matter of moments, you can be out fishing one minute and without warning, a storm can come up very quickly and actually turn a lot of boats over. A lot of boats were lost in the Sea of Galilee because of the storms that came up. And so they would come up without warning. It reminds me of another story. And I told this story, but I want to tell it again. One time, my father-in-law had this boat. Okay, it wasn't a big boat. It was uh it was a uh, probably about a, a 16 foot boat and uh he is not a great boat person like he's not super great on the water and uh and so he wanted to take all the grandkids out and Michelle and I and all of us out on the water uh for a day on the lake okay well he didn't have a motor so he borrowed a motor from my uncle or Michelle's uncle uncle and he has big boats this is not a big boat, but he had a big motor, if you know what I'm talking about. And so my father-in-law was like, I'll put the boat in and I'll come over and I'll pick you guys up. So I go with him to, to get the boat and to, to bring it in. And uh, when we get the boat in the water, it's not sitting like every other boat in the water. It's sitting like this. It, the back is down. I mean, we're ready to cruise. The weight is just overwhelming. And I told him at the time, I said, Dave that looks like it's too heavy for this boat. And he looked, he said, just get in the front. Weigh it out. Okay. So we get in and he takes it real easy and he's, he takes it easy. We come, we pick up the family, we get them all on the boat. We go out, we have a great time for a few hours and we come back in. And I said, I'm going to go with your dad to help him get the boat back up. Okay. So Dave is in the back of the boat, and it's it's hand-steered. You know, he's back there steering it. So it's not just the motor, the engine. It is Dave's weight as well with me up front. And trust me, guys, I know I'm heavy, but I'm not that heavy, okay? I couldn't weigh it out. I didn't balance it out hardly any at all. And so as he's going in, we're just going along, and I'm looking up front, and I... I have, uh, actually I was just sitting in the front, I was just kind of looking out the front of the boat, kind of looking for stuff and telling him where things were. And, and as I'm going along, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of there and all of a sudden the boat veers to the right, veers <laughs> to the left, and I'm grabbing on the boat and I look around, Dave's gone. The boat is unmanned, the motor is free to go wherever it wants to go, and Dave is in the water, and I'm going away from him, and I'm on the front of the boat looking around for Dave, and I have to jump back to the front like James Bond was 007, and I get to the, I get back to the, the motor, and I get it, I, I shut it off, and I, it, it goes, this calms down, and I look, and there's my father-in-law out in the water, and he's waiting, but he still had his Diet Pepsi in his hand, he still was going, <laughs> So the experience of me being underwater was not was not the best, but (laughs) imagine twelve men on a very little boat, this boat, like this size, twelve men on this boat, a storm comes up, starts hitting the sides of it, starts beating down each side, and all the while, while it's all happening, they're fearful for their life. They're thinking, What in the world? We're gonna die here today. On this, we're going to capsize and die out here. What is going on? And they look and there's Jesus. Now, I've always thought that that Jesus was like down below, like sleeping underneath. There's no down below on these boats. When we went on them, they are literally, it's all on top. So when it said he was asleep on the stern of the boat, he's literally in the storm, on the front of the boat, sleeping. How in the world could he do that? Except that Jesus knew... Who was the keeper of the storm. Jesus was able to sleep peacefully and restfully through the midst of the storm, not fearful for his life, because he knew the one who controlled the storm. And some of you here today need to be reminded you're facing jobs that are painful, jobs that are that are hard to go to, tough bosses to work for, employees that really stink, you know, Don't say amens right now. Come on. Some working here. Uh, you, you have, you work with people that, uh, hate their own job and practically hate their life and you gotta work beside them every single day. You know what I'm talking about. Others of you here today, financially you're drowning. You've spent too much, you've charged too much and you're in over your head. You have too much house, you don't even need, you have too many cars, you don't even drive and you're drowning financially. Others of you here, a health report has come in. The doctor's news has come in and told you some of the worst, most devastating news of your life. And you're having to live with it. Some of you, you're keeping it to yourself. You haven't even told your spouse. You're trying to figure out how to navigate the storm you're facing. Others of you, your marriage is failing. Your marriage is falling apart. You're here today because you're looking for hope. And so what do you do? You come to church because, well, if I get in church, God can fix it. And I will tell you this, God can do a miracle. But God can only do a miracle when two people are willing to allow him to do that miracle. Others of you, your families, you faced abuse. You face addiction. You face uh, addictions and drugs, addictions and alcohol, and you have to go home every day to an abusive spouse. Some of you, your kids are out of control. They're, they're about to drive you crazy. When they threaten to call DHS, you say, please, here's the phone. I'll dial the number. Because you're so tired of the fighting and the bickering and the headache that goes on and you just want to get out of the storm. Others of you, you're facing depression and sadness and darkness and you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. Then you got the holidays coming up and people are talking about Christmas and instead of it being the most wonderful time of the year, it's the most painful time of the year for you, for your family, maybe from a loss of a loved one or from someone who was a loved one in your life that still lives but no longer with you. So many different things I could bring up to try to talk about storms, but I think you all get the point. We all have storms we're going through. Can someone say that's right? We all have things we're facing every single day. We all have obstacles that are in front of us. And for me, when I go through the storm and when I face the tragedy of life, the only hope I have is that Jesus... Is in the stern of the boat with me. That I may be fearful for my life. But the one who holds my life in his hands. Isn't fearful at all. It's a beautiful analogy of the power that God has. That, that he can take us through the storms that we're facing in life. And he can walk peacefully through them. and he can, You have a choice to make. You can either get worked up about the storm or you can take time out and go lay down with the one who's already asleep and rest with him and say, all right, you got it. I trust you. You got me. So when we're going through these storms, I want to give you three things to remember when you're facing storms. And maybe it will encourage your faith today. Three things that I want you to think about when you're going through the storms of life. You have your notes. Write these down. Number one is this. Remember that you're in the storm by God's appointment says this, it says, that day came to evening, and Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to the other side of the boat. Whose idea was it to go to the other side? It was Jesus. And Jesus knew all, and Jesus was all. Jesus knew that the storm was going to come, but he wanted to work something out in these disciples' faith. He wanted to show them that they can, you don't need to trust in anyone but God, and God alone. Some of you right now, you're facing the storm, you're going through the storm in the middle of the storm and you say, I wish I wasn't here. I wish I didn't have to go through this. Why am I facing this? I don't get it. If you're a good God, why, if if you're good, why is this happening? Because this is not good. I don't want to be here, God. So where are you? I have three reasons why we face storms you need to write these down these are good things three reasons why we face storms number one we face it because of a bad decision we make in our own life god's not a puppeteer he's not stringing you around and telling you how to do stuff you make the bad decisions you make the good decisions and ultimately whatever those decisions come whatever outcome comes is based on our decision so one reason why we face storms because of bad decisions second thing is they could be just storms from the enemy The enemy of our soul, Satan himself, trying to get us off, trying to make us lack our faith or question our faith, question God, and get us off our faith. It could come from the enemy. The last one is this. It's because we live in a broken world. We live in a world full of sin. We live in a world full of evil. And we're trying to figure out how can we let our light shine beyond the evil so it's from either a bad decision, from the enemy, or from a broken world. But the fact is, all of us face storms. Like the story of a young girl that a true story, I won't reveal her name, a true story of a young girl who was diagnosed with cancer. Very devastating part, a devastating news for anyone to go through. And the question was asked to me, did God cause this cancer? And I absolutely say, no, God did not cause the cancer. I did say God did allow the cancer. Well, why would God allow cancer? And I personally don't know why I. I personally can argue many different ways. But personally, from this particular individual, she said, God allowed this to do something greater inside of me than he could have ever done without this trial, without this storm. And she went through the treatment. She went through all the all the sickness. She lost her all of her hair. She went through all this very devastating journey that cancer does bring on to people who are going through cancer. And uh, it's a horrible thing and very devastating. And four years later, she came out remission. She, uh, she did I say that right? Remission. Right. I have to say the word right. Um, she's she's feeling great. Four years after that, not only that, but she is over a ministry that helps other women who are going through cancer, diagnosed with cancer, helping them find encouragement, praying with them, come along beside them, helping encourage them and being right there for them. Why did God allow it? God allowed it because God saw that she had a greater potential on the other side to help more individuals that never would have been helped otherwise. Now some of you may say, well that seems like a cruel trick of God. Again, I'm not going to tell you it is or isn't. I don't understand. Sometimes why God does what he does. But I do know this. If we are faithful and if we stay steady and true to him, his purpose will be revealed if we just give him time. You may want you may wish sometimes you weren't where you're at right now. But I'm here to tell you when you get on the other side, when you get down the road, you'll look back and go, oh, that's why. Because I'm here to encourage someone else. Because I'm here to build someone else up. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They didn't realize what they were going to go through to get to the other side. But if we believe Jesus that he's going to take care of us, the other side may not look the way we want to look, but the other side is exactly what what God would want for each one of us. So the next time it happens to you, hopefully it doesn't, but the next time it happens to you that the phone call comes in, that, uh, that the job situation kind of turns out when tragedy strikes. Remember, you're in the storm by his appointment. The second thought is this. You're in the storm with his presence. And I kind of mentioned this already. Jesus was in the stern. God never leaves you nor forsakes you. He never abandons you. He never gets out and runs away and says, oh, this is up to you. You got this. I can't hand, help you with this. He never leaves you nor forsake you. He is always right there with you. Though unseen, though he is unseen, he is always present. You may not see him, but his presence is always there. I haven't been to a lot of fancy places to eat. I'm not a real fancy kind of guy. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's nice to go to those places, but you know me, I don't like to spend more than $5 for a meal, man. That's just it. And, and, uh, but I have gone to fancy places and Michelle and I have been on cruises and things like that where you got to go. I love the cruises, man. I eat all that fancy stuff. You know, I try it all because that escargot, you know, the snails, they're nasty, but I tried them because it was concluded I would never pay for them ever again. You know, I mean, I swear the French—they just look at anything crawling on the ground and said, "Fry that up, let's let's eat that thing, let's see how it tastes." You know, uh, but I, I I know that uh, at, at different restaurants there's uh, there's uh, there's one restaurant that uh, I've heard of. I haven't been to it. I've heard of this restaurant where. Um, you're eating your meal, and you're kind of going through your meal, and if you drop something on the ground, like a, a roll or, or crumbs or whatever, um, you go to pick it up, but you don't have to because somebody, like, jumps, like, out behind the curtains, like mystical, and, and they, they clean it up, and, they, and then they're gone. It's kind of like if you – how many guys have been on a cruise – Anybody been on a cruise and, you know, whenever you leave for like five minutes and your bedroom is your room, your cabin is all messed up and you come back and it's like made up and the little duck is on the little little swan is on the bed and you go, are they underneath my bed? How do they know I was gone? What is going on? It was like out of the book, though unseen very much still there, though I cannot see him. My God is always there. Though unseen in the middle of the storm, he is there peacefully, quietly sleeping in the confidence of God and the confidence of who he knows is over the storm. Psalm 23, familiar verse that we all hear at funerals. Uh, it says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear what? No evil. I will fear no. I will fear no evil. Though I'm walking through death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why do I not fear evil? It goes on to say, for why? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You make me lie down in green pastures or on the stern of the boat and take a nap, even though the waves are crashing around and the storm is coming down. I will not fear evil, for I will take refuge in knowing my God is in control hmm, you're in the storm by his appointment. You're in the storm by his presence. And the last one, you're in the storm for his purpose. God only can do what only God can do. The disciples in this boat that day, let me tell you kind of their story. Let me tell you their story. When we think of the disciples, we know that they changed the world. Eleven men, not 12, eleven men, Set the world on fire with the truth and reality of who Jesus was. But they didn't get there until they experienced his miracles here. They, even though they don't know what's about to happen in the story, they don't know what's about to take place. They're fearful for their life and they think they're going to, their, their boat is going to be torn apart and they're going to drown and die on this storm. They right now are in fear of their life, but they don't even realize that what Jesus is going to do in just a few moments is going to change the reality of who he was. They don't even realize it. They're, they just think, well, he's a good teacher. He's done a few miracles. But at this point, He steps up, he steps up on the bow of that boat and he speaks those words whenever they wake him up and they say, come on, Jesus, we're going to die. Get up, get up. Don't you care? Don't you care about my life? I'm going through? don't you care that my husband left me? Don't you care? My wife walked out on me. Don't you care that I'm drowning financially? Don't you care that my kid is strung out on drugs? Where are you? God, don't you care? And Jesus stepped up. I love the analogy. Close your eyes and think about it. He goes out. The storm is raging. The boat is being tossed back and forth. And he steps out on the front of the boat and he simply says with his hand, peace, be still. And at that word, it says the storm ceased. The waves stopped rocking the boat. And Jesus turned to his disciples and says, Where is your faith in me? Hmm. You can open your eyes. You're in the storm by his appointment, you're in the storm because his, pre- and his presence is with you, you're in the storm because of his purpose. Disciples didn't realize it, but one day, whenever Jesus was being drug drug away and nailed to a cross and sacrificing his life for them, they didn't realize it. But what happened was, in that moment, in that time, they had a decision to make. They could either believe he was the Son of God, he was the one, he was who he said he was, or they could deny him. And they had a decision to make, and I don't doubt that many of them went to and said, now, wait a minute. There was a time on a boat when the storm was raging all around us, and Jesus was like, hey, no big deal, y'all. And I, we were freaking out for our lives, and Jesus has control over the storms. There was a time that, that Lazarus, his best friend, was dead in the grave for four days, and he stunk. But yet Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, and he got out of the grave, and he walked, and he lived again because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. There was a time whenever uh, uh, a man was blind for so long, and Jesus gets down and spits in some dirt and throws it in his eyes, and he washes, and all of a sudden he can see. And I'm sure the disciples are thinking, whenever they fast forward in their life, they're thinking, wait a minute, if this guy... Was a cuckoo. If this guy was not who he said he was, then how did he move in so many miracles? This surely is the son of God. Hmm. Consider it pure joy, James says, James chapter one, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. For why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance uh, must finish its work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You're in the storm because God has allowed you to be there so that your faith can be made stronger. So, Jesus walks through, and Jesus comes to you. If you believe Jesus for a miracle, he could heal you. And I say, believe that he will. But more importantly, I say, even if he does not, let your faith rest in the one who's the keeper of the storm. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will. Praise your name. Yes, I will when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. Believe that you are the resurrection and the life and you are the power. I know the heart of my father. I know the heart of, of God. I know the heart and the character of my father. And I know that when he, I go through storms, he's not letting me go through that storm alone. And he's not going to let it destroy me. He's going to let it take me to greater places in faith and in maturity. He's going to take me to deeper places because I know my God is a good God. And everybody who believes it says, amen. amen, amen. Father God, I just pray that you'll speak to our hearts today. Let us recognize that even in the middle of the storm, you are with us. You're there for us. You guide and direct us. And that God, you're going to keep us in your hands. I want to play a video for you guys. It's this old song. It's going to have some lyrics on it that I just want you to read them. It just speaks about our faithful God and who he is in the middle of the storm. Right there, where you're at this morning, this worship time. Some of you here today, you're in the middle of a storm. In fact, it's raging all around you. Symbolic storm. Relationships that are broken, places that are wounded. Maybe you're going through a physical sickness that you're facing in your life. Maybe you're here today and you're financially going through a storm where you feel like you're drowning so many of us here today are at different places and different storms that we're facing. And I just want you right there where you're at just to do this for me. If you're facing a storm today, you need to go find rest in Jesus. You need to go find, seat, find sleep with Him. And even though the storm is going around you today, what you need more than anything is you need His peace in your life. You need Him to speak like He did to the waves and the, the storm that day. He said, peace be still. Today, you need to hear those words. Peace be still. Anxiety and fear depression and darkness has no room whenever Jesus speaks those words peace be still you're here this morning you're struggling you're struggling in your walk you're struggling with your walk with God today you need him to come and to hold you in the middle of the storm. Would you raise your hands all across this place. You need God's help to the storm you're facing. Hands up all over this morning. Let's raise them up today. I just want to say a prayer for you, Father. For those lives that you know. The storm they're facing. And the the the, 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 the boat that's being tossed. The, the hurt that's going on. The pain they're facing, God. How I pray that, Lord, you would be their comfort. You would be their strength. You would be their peace. That, God, they would hear those words, peace. Be still and let them find healing. Let them find rest. Let them know that God, if you're not worried, neither should we be. To walk with you and trust you. So God, I pray that you just strengthen them today. And let them know nothing, nothing is impossible with you. You are a God who does the impossible. Can we sing that part right there. Father God, thank you for your grace, thank you for your mercy, thank you for bringing us through the storm, God, may that we find encouragement and hope in you that today, God, you're always keeping us in the peaceful hands that you take us through. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. You have been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa, with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. We thank you for tuning in, and would like to encourage you to worship with us if you're in our area. Our Sunday morning service is at 10 a.m., and we have other activities throughout the week for the entire family. For more information, go to crossviewfellowship.com. Thanks again for listening to a ministry of Crossview Church.